I'm going to continue the part two of this series. And probably I'm going to finish up today. What I've titled God, our Ebenezer. And I took that from 1 Samuel chapter 7, from verse 1 to 13. And we'll look through Psalm 121 also. 1 Samuel chapter 7, from verse 1 to 13. And the men of Kedjajerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kedjajerim, that the time was long, for it was 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel speak unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, not part of your heart, but with all your heart, tell your neighbor all your heart. Then put away the strange gods and asteroids from among you, and prepare your heart unto the Lord, and serve him only. Look, heart preparation is key when you are approaching to God. And when you are preparing your heart, God knows that you are preparing your heart. Every time a mortal man makes up his mind on this side of the great divide to prepare his heart unto the Lord, to sanctify their heart unto the Lord, whether male or female, God always takes cognizance of that. Every time you come to that point when you say, look, I just want to get away from all distractions and I want to focus on the Lord. This new month, this new week, this new day, this new year, I want to draw closer to God. Lord, I don't know much about you, but I want to know you more. And I want to prepare my heart to receive of you. I'm done with knowing about you. I want to know you. God always takes cognizance of that. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 21. One phrase that stands out there. God having said, their noble shall be from among them, uh, etc. Et God said a whole lot in that one verse. Then he asked the question, for who is this that engaged his heart? Verse 21, that engaged his heart to know me, to seek me. Jeremiah 30 and verse 21. Media, can you do that quickly? I'm in 1 Samuel 7. I don't want to move away from that, but you give me that on the screen. God bless you. And their noble shall be of themselves. That's a promise from God. And their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. That's another promise from God. And I pray that over this church and it will happen. Because God will bring, this is a governmental church. God will begin to position you guys in key positions in the name of Jesus. You heard someone call himself the sport director of UI. Did he say sport director of UI? Ayo, he's escaped again. Lord will have mercy on his soul. God will begin to position you guys in key positions. Not just on campus. It will begin from campus. But you see, it will go from campus to the outside world. You see, we have Miss UI in this church. Am I right about that? Now, when you begin to see such things, don't just say, well, uh, it's a secular thing, it's a kind of thing. God knows what he's doing. Can I have an amen to that? So you better flow with the, with the spirit of God and allow him to do what he wants to do. If you become the president of Nigeria, is that a spiritual office? Is that a spiritual office? It is not spiritual. It's secular. If you're a medical doctor, is that anything spiritual? It's secular. We live in a secular world. But I'm saying that God will begin to position his own children in strategic places. Imagine 
if Joseph was not positioned as, as the prime minister of Egypt at the time that there was a famine in the world. Egypt was world power at that time. His dad and all his siblings probably would have died of hunger in the land of Israel. Because they had money, but food was gone. Do you eat money when there is no food? But God had gone ahead of them to position Joseph in a governmental space where he was the number one decision maker of the world. Pharaoh said, at your word, Joseph, shall my people be ruled. I am only greater than you in the matters of the throne. Remove this ring and put it in the finger of Joseph. Become the ruler of Egypt. When later he sent his brothers to his father, he said, go and tell daddy, God has made me a father unto Pharaoh. God will yet raise fathers unto Pharaoh from this house. God will yet raise mothers unto Pharaoh from this house. Pharaoh represents the world government. But God said, I will make you in papa. You, anything you tell him, he will do. And their nobles shall be of themselves. And their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. And I will cause him to draw near. And he shall approach unto me. For who is this? God said, who is this guy? Who is this lady? That engaged his heart to approach unto me, saith the Lord. Every time you take time out to say, I want to fast, not because I'm looking for money. I just want to know God more. I just want to consecrate this weekend unto the Lord. I just want to sanctify this one day and consecrate it unto the Lord. Every Wednesday, I just want to fast. God always takes cognizance. You're not doing it as a ritual. You're not doing it because the church says do it. You're not doing it because you want to salve your spiritual conscience. You're doing it because you want to know God. God always honors that. You don't need a title to do that. You might be a pastor. You might not be a pastor. It doesn't matter anything. What matters is that you have, you have engaged your heart to know the Lord. And so Samuel, tap your neighbor if your neighbor is sleeping. It's too early to sleep. Glory be to God. Someone spoke unto all the of Israel saying, if ye do return unto the Lord with all your heart, why do you have to return? Because you have moved away. And peradventure there are people this morning who have moved away. The Lord said return. If you return to the Lord, it's your choice to return. It's your choice to never return. God doesn't force his will on anybody. He won't force it down your throne, your throat. If you return to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the strange gods. And Astaroth from among you. You wonder, well, this is this generation, we don't have strange gods. Yes, we do have. And for some of you, it is some websites and some apps on your phone. Those things that take away your attention from God. They have become the God in your life. Let me tell you one thing, one of the attributes of God. God is a jealous God. Not envious. Jealous. Jealous for his glory. He won't let you share his glory with anybody. Oh, you know, it was because I prayed for you. God answered your prayer. Who are you, man of God? I'm a man of God. Are you a God of man? If God answered your prayer, glory be to God, you prayed. That was the best you could do. You couldn't answer the prayer yourself. So always return the glory to God. Prepare your heart unto the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Baalim 
and Astaroth, all of the gods, they put them away. There are times you need to put your phone to flight mode so you can concentrate on your Bible study. Or your Balim and your Astaroth. And this is serious because one of the greatest dis, uh, 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 disservice that you can do to yourself is to miss an instruction from God. It's a disservice. It's a great one. Many times people don't know because they don't realize what they have missed. But the closer you move to God, <laughs> the more you become eager to hear from him, Lord, what do I do next? What step do I take? And there will come a time in each of our lives when you will need to hear a word behind you singing to you, turn to the left, turn to the right. This is the way, walk in it. There comes that time when nothing will substitute for an instruction from God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, not as many as can speak in tongues, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Are you with me, church? If you are with me, say amen. Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mishpeh, and I'll pray for you unto the Lord. Samuel was a man of prayer. I will pray for you unto the Lord. One of the greatest benefits that we have in the New Testament. I mean, if you look, in, look through the Old Testament, you saw men that prayed. And these men got results. We even have a greater uh, witness. And we have a greater advantage in the person of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit did not indwell them. We can pray in the spirit, and I mean speaking other tongues, all right? We, we, we have the blood of Jesus. They, they didn't know about the blood of Jesus here. Samuel didn't know about the name of Jesus. They prayed to yad heh vav -Hey. Now, God has highly exalted him, Philippians 2, from verse 9 to 11, and has given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Every knee shall bow of things in heaven, on earth, and beneath the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What an advantage. Yet, we don't pray. Prayer is one of the most boring activities of the church. That's why, look at the attendance of the church during prayer time. Usually, maybe one quarter of the church will attend prayer. And look at places where people go for prayers. Why do they have a huge number turning out for prayers? Look at the, check out their prayer point. It's always about miracles. Somebody wants a breakthrough, breakout, breakdown, break in. Monday morning or Wednesday morning, the whole place is jam-packed. And God is looking at us Nigerians. We are not serious. You're looking for bread and butter, but you don't care about that God. You know, you don't care. Like, you don't care about your parents. You only care about what they give you. If your parents get to notice that, then they will put you in a special class. You really don't care about me. It's about how to pay your fees and how to pay your bills and put food on the table. God is not looking for people like that. God wants people that would love him. If you love me, you warm your way into my heart. It will be easy to command my hands. That's why Psalm 103 said, in, I think verse 5, he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. So the acts were the miracles that the children of Israel saw. They saw manna, which is the corn of heaven, and, and water gushed out of the rock, and all of that. And they saw the Red Sea, you know, uh, which got parted into two, and they walked on dry ground, and chicken rained from heaven. Those were the acts of God. Those were the things they saw. But for Moses, God made known to him his ways. And listen to me. If you get to know the ways of God, you will be a commander of the acts of God. 
And one similarity between Moses and Samuel that we're talking about here is prayer. Jeremiah testified to that in Jeremiah 15 verse 1. Actually, it was God that testified. God said, even if Moses and Samuel will stand before me, I won't listen to these people. Because Moses and, and Samuel had gotten to a point in their prayer life that they got the attention of heaven. May you be able to secure the attention of heaven. I know when some people pray, maybe angels will say, who is talking there? Who is making noise? But when some pray, say, ah, this is a covenant, covenant voice we're hearing. Let me tell you that God has no favorites. In the New Testament, we are all loved. We are chosen, a chosen generation. But what are you doing with your status of being a chosen generation? What are you doing with your status of being a royal priesthood? A combination of royalty and priesthood. I move on quickly. And I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpeh and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day. And said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpeh. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpeh, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the, you see, sometimes you get afraid when you hear that the enemies are advancing towards you. You hear that an exam is coming and the, the, the last set of people that wrote that exam failed. And there was mass failure and now the exam is coming. It, it is natural to want to have some, uh, what Esther described earlier as jittery feelings. Some kind of trepidation, some, some kind of fear. Um, you don't want to accept it, but you know it is somewhere there lying benign. or It's just lying beneath the surface. And they ask you, how are you preparing? You say, oh, all is well. With a smile. But underneath you're a little bit, you know what I'm talking about. Glory be to God. There's something they call exam fever. It is fake. It's not real. After, when, exam is, when you're done with that exam and maybe you did well, all of a sudden you're well because you did well. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, I wonder why they said to Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us. Why couldn't they cry to God for themselves? In the New Testament, this is not allowed. You can call for prayer, yes. It shouldn't be your lifestyle. God wants you as his child, to come to him. And let me tell you, my father in the Lord, yes, that's fine. Paul said, you may have many teachers in the Lord, but you don't have many fathers. But God doesn't have grandchildren. Your father in the Lord is a child of God. You are a child of God. Equal status. Offices may differ. Anointing may differ. But equal status. Meaning, God wants you to come. If you have a problem, James 5.13, is any afflicted among you? Let him pray. Let him pray. It is the one that is sick that should send for the elders. But if you're afflicted, the Bible says, let him pray. There is a level that, you know, others praying for you will take you to. There is a level that your own praying will take you to. Never substitute your prayer life for congregational prayer. Nigerians like to even pay people to pray for them. They go to mountains and pay prophets and say, fast and pray for me. And those ones are crooks as well. They make a merchandise of God's people. They're not fasting. They'll tell you they're fasting seven days. The guy is eating in his house. And he's feeding fat on your ignorance. Do your own praying yourself. You can do your own praying. 
People go around begging for prayer, calling for prayer. Pray for me, please pray for me. Please. You can do your own praying. Listen, child of God, God will hear you. Can I have an amen? And it's not about the, the loudness or the volume of your voice. It's coming from the sincerity of your heart. Sometimes the greatest prayers are just whispers underneath your breath. God, help me. And that's it. And there's a turn around. Same person that said, no, get out of here. I don't have your time. Will come back and say, um, where's that lady that said that um, she, she, she submitted, and, um, but then the network was bad. Where, where's the lady? And you're fished out and help comes. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? They said to Samuel, cease not to crown to the Lord our God for us that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. He offered an offering unto the Lord. And this, uh, this is something also that the New Testament church should learn from. Even though we don't bring lambs and goats and rams to church anymore, your offering now should come in the form of thanksgiving. Apart from the money that you give to worship the Lord, you should come with a heart that is grateful to God. And I'm going to get there this morning. And so Samuel did this, and then Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard him. May the Lord hear you. I love the prayer in Psalm 20. It's one of my favorite. He said, may the Lord hear you in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend you. That amen is just too weak for my liking. Because I'm praying for you that the Lord will hear you in the day of trouble. The name, the name, the name of the God of Jacob defend you. Because there are times you need a defense and nobody's defending you. May the name of the Lord defend you. Hmm. May he send you help from the sanctuary. And may he not forget your offering in the name of Jesus. Samuel cried and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But Israel didn't have to fight. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them and they were smitten before Israel. I love one of the songs we took this morning during praise worship. You roll like thunder. Nothing can tame a God. All powerful. All powerful. May we know our God. That amen is too weak. If I say may God make you a multi-billionaire in dollars, that amen will be louder. But hey, this prayer is much more powerful than that. May you know your God. If you know the worth of your dad and somebody is trying to harass you, maybe in school or maybe on the street, hey, what's, up? what's your problem? Stop there. Stop. I said stop there. And your dad is the chief justice. Or your dad is an AIG in the police. Or a DIG. I mean, you are just going on your own. Maybe doing your morning exercise and then somebody stops you and pushes your chest. And you're like, hey, excuse me, what's going on here? I'm well trained. I'm a child of God. I don't fight, but don't mess with me. You guys are, you're the crazy. Give me your phone. Your dad is an AIG. Or DIG. Or RG. Not Instagram. You have an idea who your dad is. And the guy happens to be some policeman in the lowest rank. And he brings out his ID card and says, you're under arrest. And you ask him, 
what's my offense? He said, when you get to the station, I'll tell you. He said, okay, just a minute. Can I place a call at least? Oh, yeah, call anybody, anybody, call anybody. Now you bring out your phone and say, hello, dad. Um, I'm on road so-so and so on our estate. Yeah, yeah, I saw you going out of the house to do your morning exercise. Any problem? Uh, yeah, there's a policeman right here who says I'm under arrest and he wants to take me to... Your dad says, okay, uh, what's your location again? Uh, don't worry, stay right there. In less than three minutes, about ten policemen are there. Where's the policeman? And then he begins to say, um, uh, um, where are you from? What's your station? Identify yourself. Uh, um, um, uh, uh. The guy is in trouble. Now, you won't be in trouble. Even the moment he was harassing you, you had confidence. Like, <laughs> oh, God. This guy's a gunner, man. Like, this guy, you collected your last salary last month, and that was your last salary. Even if he was a genuine policeman. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because what you're doing is an illegal operation. I'm not a criminal. Why are you arresting me for what? Where's your, okay, so where's your arrest warrant? I just feel like arresting you. You are disturbing public peace. You are running on government road. See, I mean, rubbish. Because you know the worth of your dad. How much more the worth? We cannot know the worth of our God, but as the Spirit of God reveals things to us about God, it, it should improve your confidence in God. And that's one of the areas that the enemy attacks. When Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, in Isaiah 38 or so, came against the land of Judah, he said to them, what confidence is this in which you have confidence? You, this Hezekiah, what confidence is, is this in which you trust? One of the things that the enemy tries to attack is your confidence in God. I'm not going to fail that exam. I am not going to fail that exam. Do you realize that when you make such statements, there are people around you in your faculty, in your department, that look at you like you're so proud and arrogant. You're saying that you can, you're not going to fail that exam. Anybody can fail any exam. That's your portion. For me, I am not going to fail that exam. Every time you make a positive confession about yourself, somebody will attack you. You just simply say, among your friends, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored. You said I'm blessed and highly favored. Somebody will say, nonsense. Now, does that affect you? Is it your blessing? Is it your favor? But you never shut your mouth. Are you with me? Never shut your mouth because of public opinion. Never shut your, never shut your mouth because of public criticism. I'm blessed and highly favored and I have no apologies to any devil. Are you with me? The Lord thundered a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them and they were smitten before Israel. They didn't have to fight. They didn't have to raise a finger. I pray for someone here, God will give you battles won without you lifting a finger. Our God is a specialist in winning battles. Let them gather. The Bible says as surely as they gather, they will fall for your sake. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. Some people had a meeting and they were going to kill a particular man of God. They had a meeting. And the man said, at that time, he was the easiest person to kill. Because he would not leave his office until around 1 a.m. So very easy, just pick him in the midnight and then do whatever you had to do. They had only one meeting. The next meeting, before they convened for the next meeting, they could not convene for the next meeting. Because the chairman of that meeting, his firstborn died mysteriously. The vice chairman, his firstborn died mysteriously. 
The third one, something happened. So when they were exchanging news of woes and tales of woes, they had to say, look, we are not going to have to convene anymore. And somehow they had to re, re, uh, recoup and then had to go and apologize to the man of God. <laughs> look, we have a God who fights for us. God didn't even have to come down. He just sent thunder. Thunder. Have you seen thunder before? I'm not talking lightning. Even some lightning can be frightening. One young man was driving me home last night. We were coming from a place and we saw this lightning in the sky. You know the one that makes a little, just a little sound. And the guy, <laughs> the guy did that. He removed his, um, uh, what do you call that thing? Dental floss. I said, what are you doing? He said, you know, it's just bad. I said, you're arresting thunder. <laughs> so your mouth can arrest thunder. Superstition. You know this African belief that when you see lightning like this, uh, it's because God doesn't want the thunder to, to roar. If God allows it, I mean, if you have seen real thunder, it can shake a building. It can. Anyway, that was what God did that day. May God fight your battles for you. And the men of Israel went out of Mishpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone. He knew this was God who gave him the victory. And set it between Mishpah and Shen. And called the name of it Eben Ezer. Saying, he that told hath the Lord helped us. Anybody needs help in this house this morning? May the Lord help you. Beyond what your parents can do, may the Lord help you. Beyond what your connections can do, may the Lord help you. I understand the help of man and it is good. <laughs> but when God helps you, it's incomparable. You can pay for it. You know this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. No wonder David, the psalmist of Israel, lifted up his eyes and said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Psalm 121. Ah, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He can raise people for you. He can raise anybody for you, but you had better allow your help come from the Lord. When people help you, they will still abuse you much later, some of them. And they will still talk about it. But when God helps you, I don't know if God will ever call anybody into a meeting and say, well, I helped him. Look at him now. Look at his coconut head. He's not giving thanks anymore. He's the one that helps without having to talk about it anymore. In James 1, 5, the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and he will give it to him. God does not upbraid. He doesn't find fault. You see, you are misbehaving again. You know, I helped you yesterday. Just like I helped you last year. You are misbehaving again, oh, you see. And then he's telling everybody about it. No, God doesn't do that. So the Philistines were subdued and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. May the hand of the Lord be against your enemies. All the days of their lives in the name of Jesus. A quick recap is to let you know that at every point in life, there are three categories of people. Number one, we have people who are getting, getting ready Oh, let me say, let me start with those who are coming out of trouble. Maybe listening to me this morning are people who are just coming out of trouble. Fresh, out of trouble. Category two, you have people 
who are right in the middle of a, a problematic situation, a crisis situation. They're in the midst of trouble. And category number three, you have a group of people who are getting ready to go into one. And nobody likes trouble, nobody prays for it, but it comes all the same. <laughs> the greater the destiny, the greater the pain. When you're going higher in life, you have tougher tests to write. You don't compare your final year exams with your 100-level exams. You know that. I mean, you don't compare JS1 to SS3. And so th that's the way it is in life. When you graduate and you begin to write your professional exams, they are more tasking because, you see, they call them professional exams. They want to test the professionalism that is in you and make you a thoroughbred professional, not half-baked. Not half-baked. So that's the way it is in life. And when you're getting ready to go to the next level that God has for you in your life, of necessity, you have to be tested. If you're not tested, you cannot be trusted. Those of you who are into metallurgy and material science, you know that in, in that field, they, they talk about the, the strength of steel and iron and metal and all these materials used for building. Those things have to go to the laboratory and be tested before they can be trusted. To erect a skyscraper. If you have the privilege of information and you go to uh, Coco House, that's a, the only skyscraper we have in Ibadan. 24 story building. The kind of metal they used in that building, maybe in 1980 or so. I can't remember the year they built that house. You won't compare that to what we use today to erect a bungalow. The foundation that that house is standing upon cannot be compared to that of a bungalow. So stop comparing your life with the life of someone else. Some of us are like cocoa trees. The harvest doesn't come in one year. It doesn't even come in two years. And all you do is watering and weeding and manuring and watering and weeding and manuring. And you're doing that year one, year two, year three, year four, maybe year five. You're mature. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just giving an example. Don't compare yourself to someone that planted maize. Who harvests in about three weeks or three months. And then they go again. Take the second harvest. And they go again, the third harvest. Three harvests in one year. And the maize farmer is smiling all over the place. <laughs> Every time his maize season, he's smiling. Because he has a truckload of maize. Ten truckloads of maize do not weigh anything compared to one truckload of cocoa in the international market. Because nobody even uses maize as an exchange commodity. It's for local cons consumption. So one harvest of cocoa they used money from Coco to build that house called Coco House in Dubai. An elderly man told me it was 1,000 pounds back in the day. I read a little story about the elephant and the dog. They got pregnant at the same time. And the dog gave birth to the first set of kids. Maybe about 16 at a go. And then had second round, another set of kids. And then she got pregnant again. You know how dogs get pregnant? <laughs> That's why the female dog is called a bitch. No self-control. All over the place, anywhere, there is a guy that is willing. Off they go. And then, boom! That dog gave birth again. Meanwhile, the elephant was still carrying the pregnancy. They got pregnant at the same time. So the dog went to the elephant and said, Ah! We got pregnant at the same time. Are you sure you are pregnant? Because me, I've given back. We've done the main ceremony. Those children are now in secondary school. I gave back again. Another round. They are now in primary school. I've given back again. They are now in nursery school. Are you sure you are pregnant or there's just an empty air 
Maybe you should go to the hospital and check. Maybe you have a bloated stomach. <laughs> the elephant said, well, it's all right. He said, you have given back to your puppies. He said, but I, I carry something. What I carry is heavy weight. By the time my own kid is born, the earth will feel the weight. And by the time it starts walking around, everybody will know. It's not about hearsay. Because you cannot see an elephant and deny. The Yoruba says, You can't see an elephant and say, It's like I saw something. No! Even if you have glaucoma, you will see well. There is something you carry. It might take time. It might take a while. Let them keep mocking you. Let them keep criticizing and talking about you. But you carry something. By the time you birth it, the world will know that this one is a trailblazer. Are you with me? So all of the period of training, all of the period of suffering and affliction, count it all joy because the period of your training, those who will travel far will have to train really deep. That's why sometimes you go through trouble. I'm not saying every time, but sometimes. You wonder why? Why is my family like this? Why is my dad broke? Why did he lose his job? Whereas the same person that they got the job at the same time is still working, and they're going from house to house, they're building houses, and we are living in a rented apartment. Why is our life like this? God has written the script of your life. Flow with him and let him perfect his work. Are you with me? So when you're in trouble, number one, I told you last week, stay connected to God. Don't run away from God. The goal of the enemy when you go through a storm is to separate you from your source. To separate you from God. After all, God didn't hear your prayer. God didn't answer you. If you're a child of God and you're approved of God, why would God allow this to happen in your life? Everybody's married. Look at you. You're on the same spot. Admission you don't have. Degree you don't have. Marriage you don't have. Relationships that you don't have. Hope you don't have. Hopeless you don't even have. So the next thing is you want to withdraw from everybody because you feel like you don't measure up. My friend, you measure up. Can I have an amen? amen. With God on the inside of you, you are more than enough. Can I have an amen? amen? Stop looking for validation in people. I don't have this, I don't have that. What about the things you have that others don't have? That's the world you have. You have sound health. You need to pay a visit to the hospital and, and look at people who have all the money in this world. And I'm not making jest of them. And if they are Connected to this service this morning, the power of God will flow to them and they'll be well in the name of Jesus. But I'm saying be grateful to God for what you have. Number two, I said to you last week because I don't want to stay too long there. Don't give up on prayer. Prayer still changes things. Prayer still changes things. Listen, prayer changes people and it is the changed people that change things. There's no way you pray and you pray real hard and you pray from your heart that the prayer will not change you. If you are the type given to back, back biting, you are given to talking ill of others. When you begin to pray, especially in the spirit, and you pray genuinely from your heart, over time you will discover that you are not able to use your mouth for those things anymore. You want to still do them, but you find them difficult. Those of you who used to curse a lot, that you curse people very easily. 
<coughs> when you pray in tongues for a, a long time, when you pray for a long time and you pray from the depth of your heart, you discover that you want to say, Aye, Baba, just God bless you. You are so angry that you cannot imagine yourself speaking those kind of words anymore. Prayer is changing you already. And when you change, things around you will begin to change. Can I have an amen to that? Elijah was a man of like passion. How come Elijah prayed and there was no rain for three and a half years? According to the prayer of Elijah, he prayed again and rain came. Rainmaker. One man prayed. Let there be no rain according to my word. He didn't even say according to the word of the Lord. He said according to my word. Can you imagine somebody standing up in Nigeria and say, let there be no rain in Nigeria for three and a half years? Ah, Ejozao. <laughs> and when there was no rain and there was famine, the man went up again to pray. He said, now, Lord, release the rain. And God heard him. Old covenant man. Old covenant man. We are in the new covenant. There are some stupid laws and, 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 and constitutions and whatever that are against the church, against your life, against you as a child of God, that you can change in the place of prayer. But, you know, uh, well, we are at the mercy of the people. We are at the mercy of those in the National Assembly. We are at the mercy of Christians need to arise and pray. Nigeria is the Lord's. Can I have an amen? It belongs to the Lord. And I spoke so much about men of prayer last week. I spoke about Marquis de Renti, who was going to the place of prayer and said to his chef, the cuisine, cook my meal. After 30 minutes, come and get my attention so I can come and eat. And he went to his room, lifted his hands, and was in the place of prayer. And when it was 30 minutes, the guy, the chef, came upstairs, looked through the keyhole, and saw the man still in the posture of prayer. Okay, let me leave him. It's 30 minutes. And then he went, back, he went back downstairs. After another 30 minutes, he went back up, looked through the keyhole. The man was still in the same posture of prayer. Oh, wow. It's one hour. This man is still enjoying himself. He went back downstairs. After another 30 minutes, making one and a half hours, he went back upstairs and checked. And the man was still in the same posture of prayer. And then he knocked this time. And Marquis de Renti answered. He was a businessman. He was not a pastor. Marquis de Renti was a businessman. And he answered from inside, hey, is it 30 minutes yet? And the man said, it's already one and a half hours. Because he was enjoying fellowshipping with the Lord. Prayer is not a place of punishment. Some of us see prayer as a mental torture. That's why you don't pray. When they say pray, you can start crying. Pray for one hour. Ah. You know, actually, if you want to punish some people, get them to pray for one hour. That's the punishment. That's what you did. All right, go to that corner and speak in tongues for one hour. Ah. They don't know that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. You are building up yourself and you must all live it. Pray in the Holy Ghost. But they see it as a punishment. Which means, ordinarily, if you leave them alone, they can go seven days without praying. Seven days without prayer makes one spiritually weak. Seven days make one weak, right? Seven days without prayer makes a believer spiritually weak. Jesus said, he spoke a parable to them to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. Men ought always, not sometimes, pray always. You're on the bike, pray. Even though I don't like you on the bike. You're in the car, pray. You're in the toilet, pray. If you're not eating and you're not talking and you're not sleeping, you should be praying. You go for an interview, pray underneath your breath. You don't need to say, they will kick you out. Don't make nuisance. 
And I told a young man that used to get up to pray in the midnight, I said, you'll be waking up all your neighbors. They won't like your God. In the midnight, you can go on your knees, you can go on your face on the floor and pray. If you want to pray out loud, at least do it in such a way that you won't wake everybody up. There was a, a night I was in a hotel. I actually went for a retreat. I had forgotten myself. I was on the floor. I was praying with someone on the phone. I was shouting. Somebody knocked my dog. Boo, 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 boo. Who is that? I said, this is a hotel. Ah, sorry, sir. Let everything be done decently and in order. Are you with me, church? But nevertheless, never you underestimate the power of prayer. There is no force that is as potent in the world as the one generated in the place of prayer. Something's going wrong in your school. Two or three of you gather together and pray. Didn't Jesus say if two of you, if two or three shall gather together my name, there I am in the midst of them. It's not far away, it's near. Instead of backbiting, two or, two or three of you now, ladies, you gather together to backbite. Gather together to talk about someone else. Did you see that lady in church today? Look at that girl, it was too short. That's all you talk about from, the, from, from church till you get to your hostel. That's a waste of time. And the three of you have issues. Can you come together and, and present your cases before God? Can you meet at the sports field and pray Friday evening or Thursday afternoon? Can we meet at the faculty and find somewhere? Only 15 minutes. We don't need a long time. 15 minutes and pray. Let's hold hands as sisters and cry to God. This lecturer that is harassing you, God should arrest him. Period. The psalmist said in Psalm 116 verse 2, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. In the NLT. Point number three, and this is where I stop for today. Recall constantly past victories. And let that produce thanksgiving. Recall. Number one, stay connected to God. Number two, don't give up on prayer. When you're in trouble and you don't know where to go, you're in the middle of the road and you don't know where to go. Number three, in the middle of trouble, recall past victories and give thanks to God. The power of recalling, my God, it will save you from depression. If you are depressed this morning, I'm giving you an antidote. Has God ever been good to you? Has he ever done anything in your life? Was there ever a time you were going to be put to shame but God came through? Was there ever a time it was you were at a quarter to shame but God showed up? Am I, am I talking to people this morning? So, so can you cast your mind on that and recall and recall and say, God, it was you in 2016 on the 3rd of January. God, I would have died that day but you stepped in. God, it was you on the 14th of April. 1997, when I was only a year old, and I fell into the gutter, but you sent someone to pick me up. God, it was you. Last year, about this time, when I was going to take my life, or somebody was going to take my life, or sickness was going to take my life, but you stepped in. God, it was you. That is erecting your Ebenezer. Samuel got to a point he knew it was God that gave them the victory. He erected a stone there and called the name of that stone Ebenezer, the stone of our hell. What was he saying? We will never forget this. I have some Ebenezers in my life. You must have them as a child of God. Otherwise, when you go through your dark seasons, you won't survive it. 
if you cannot recall the good times and use the good times against the currently bad one, you won't survive it. And the truth of the matter is that God has been good to all and his mercies are over all his works. Psalm 106 verse 1, God is good and his mercy endure forever. Psalm 107 verse 1, God is good and his mercy endure forever. Psalm 118 verse 1, the Lord is good and his mercy endure forever. One of the Psalms says God is good to all. His mercies are over all his works. So that's why when some people say, I disagree. I disagree because the Bible says that his mercy is over all his works. Show me one person that has not received the mercy of God. Recall, in trouble, there is the tendency to forget that God has delivered you before and to forget where you are coming from, where God took you from. And let me ask you, was it by your power? Answer me, church. Your education? Your intelligence? So why would you ever think that God has brought you this far to abandon you here now? Is your Ebenezer. If he ever helped us up to this point, he will help us beyond this point. Can I have an amen? It was one of the weapons that I used not too long ago. It's going through a battle. <laughs> a so-called reverend. I will share the details in the days to come. A so-called man of God swindled me. And many other people that came through me of 134 millionaire that your pastor is not dead today is the mercy of God. So I'm not a small fry. When I listen to some people talk and they talk and they think they can preach. I look at you and shake my head. There are certain things you say that you have never proven. When Saul gave his ammunition to David, first Samuel 17, to go and fight Goliath. The Bible said, David, put them on. But say, oh God, these things are too heavy for me because I have not proven them. So he put them down. I say a lot of new generation apostles who say things that they have not proven. And some of you take those things, hook, line, and sinker, and you run your life by things that are not yet proven. Because apostles also said, apostles also said, apostles said. This is a generation of lazy believers. You want to amount to anything in life, go back to the word of God. Go back to the word and prove this word in your life. One day I got up and it was like I should just commit suicide. I was alone in my house. My wife had gone out. My kids had gone to school in the month of July. Maybe the kids were on holiday or so. And I was so overwhelmed with that darkness in my, in my living room. I was in the living room. And the voice said, end it all. End it all. You need to go and rest. And you can't take this stuff anymore. Because the man who took the money would not take my calls anymore. He would not send me messages. He would not reply my messages. He would not reply my emails. He had gone incommunicado. And his church is not far from here. No. Did I call it church? I pity the people that are there. And that's why you need to be careful where you carry your head. That somebody is charismatic and they can preach the Bible. Preaching the Bible is not the same as knowing God. 
God is the God of the Bible. But you can know the Bible without knowing God. Those Nollywood actors that quote Bible in their, as part of their storyline, as part of their, what do you call that thing? Lines. Lines. Does it mean they know the God of the Bible? It's just a role. You have to add the role of a pastor. Quote Psalm 1 verse 1. Hey, hey, beauty star. Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the castle of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the of the scornful. You have just acted. You have acted the script. And there are many actors today. Be very careful. The Bible says, test all spirits. We don't test. Because the man has 1.1 million followers on Instagram, automatically, don't be stupid. The approval of Instagram is not the approval of the Holy Spirit. And I'll be very hard on you. Because you are my own people. Don't be gullible. You know, I never say you are stupid. I said, don't be stupid. So when you are reporting me to your parents after service, don't say, Pastor, how can you imagine Pastor record those stupid today? No, you are not. And that's why I'm saying, don't be. People automatically think in this generation, if you go online and you check out a, a minister and he's got like 10 million followers, he tweets once like this, he has like 1 million and 1 retweets. Oh my God. If you check his YouTube page or YouTube channel, man, he's got like 100 million views, one stream. What? He can be saying 100 million nonsense. That is nothing biblical. It can appeal to logic, but nothing biblical. There's a difference between the Bible and logic. Bible is not logic. Bible is not common sense. And quoting the Bible is not the same as being intimate with God. The devil quoted the Bible to Jesus. He quoted the written word to the living word. He quoted the logos to the one that has the rhema. So I'm not surprised if anybody can quote the Bible to me. I mean, I've been there. I've been there, done that. You know what I mean? Irreverent. Reverend. And he didn't just swindle me. That guy raped close to a billion naira from Nigeria. Alone. Defrauded some other people in the UK. We don't know how much. God delivered him into my hands like a chicken. After service last Sunday, as I was preaching here last Sunday, I had no clue what was going to happen after service. But God had gone ahead of me. But one thing I knew, I woke up in the morning, 3 a.m., before coming to church, I prayed for the service, and I said to God, I remembered him, and I said to God, God, come between me and this man. Because you were there. I had repented for about five days. I was stupid. I was gullible. I didn't believe, I didn't, I, the Holy Spirit gave me a nudging to not do anything with him two years before. But I forgot, I, I was carried away. And the money that I was also going to make entered my eyes. So I went, I went to my, my retreat before I blazed. Five days, repenting every day. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. When you are talking to God, don't hide. Stop pretending. When you barge into the room of a woman, for example, who is dressing up, mistakenly, mistakenly, maybe you were going to your own room, you thought that was your room, and then you opened the room. What's the first thing she does? Am I right about that? That's what some of us do with God in the place of prayer. You tell God certain things. God, see my legs, see my hair, but 
a dear woman of God, an apostle in the U.S. We were, we were holding a meeting in Lagos in a hotel some time ago. And she said, one day the Holy Spirit came to her room and said he wanted to like, manifest presence now. Wanted to have a conversation with her. And she said, ah, Holy Spirit, let me dress up now. And Elizabeth said, oh, okay, really? Who owns you? Now, when you are dressed, you think I see your dress? I'm relating to your spirit. Uh, I won't tell you more about that thing until it is fully mature. God has done it, but when it is fully mature for sharing, I won't keep it from you. That's a promise. So that day in my living room, I got to my wit's end in the natural. And that spirit said to me, end it all, end it. But I knew that couldn't have been the Holy Spirit. A child of God doesn't commit suicide. Abraham didn't commit suicide. Isaac didn't, Jacob didn't, and those are our fathers of faith. And according to Galatians 3.29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. So I'm not a bastard. You know what I did? We have this picture frame, this like a big frame, huge frame in my living room where we put different pictures. And I went there and I was pointing to each of those pictures. My 40th birthday picture, three years ago. How I was looking very handsome and very rotund in my apparel. I looked at that picture, I pointed at it and said, Lord, it was you that did this. I saw another one. That, those were pictures that were given to me as gifts. I looked at another one where I was wearing a double-breasted jacket. You would notice that I haven't worn suits in a very long time. But you saw it at a blaze. Double-breasted jacket. And I saw my tie, very neat, my, my white shirt, immaculate, everything sparkling. And I looked at that handsome preacher holding the microphone, looking in a different direction. and said, God! You did this! I looked at my when he was a little boy with his afro hair, I said, God, you did this. And then my daughter's picture, class picture, you know this class picture, we didn't have them when I was a baby, when I was little. You guys have it now, your secondary school class, your primary school class, class of 06, class of 07, my daughter with her classmates, very beautiful girl. I said, God, you made this happen. I looked at my wife, I pointed at that picture, God, you made this happen. I looked at another picture, God, you made this happen. You know what I was doing? Erecting my Ebenezer's. Reminding myself of the milestones that God had helped me to achieve in life. You should be able to recall so that you can now have hope for the future to remind yourself that if God has brought me this far, he has not brought me this far to abandon me here. If he has brought me this far, he's going to get me there. Can I have an amen? amen? One of the covenant names of God is Jehovah Shammah. Shammah means the Lord is there. Don't die here. Tell your neighbor, so don't die here. Say, don't die here. Say it like, uh, whether it's British or America, I don't know which one. Don't die here. Because God is going to get you there. Help me preach to another neighbor. Say, neighbor! God hasn't brought you here to end your life here. He's going to get you there. Say amen to that. 
the power to recall. First Samuel 17, when David stood before Goliath, verses 34 to 37, before he stood before Goliath, he stood before Saul and said to Saul, when Saul was trying to discourage him, you're a little boy. You're a member of the expression house. Why are you going to the court of law with the professor of law? He go finish you. He's been practicing law since your age. Now you're just about to start. You're a baby lawyer. How can you defeat an SAN in the court of law? Are you listening to me, lawyers? How many lawyers have I got in this house? They didn't come to church today. Okay, one, two. Put the scripture on the screen. David said to Saul, I remember. Somebody say, I remember. <laughs> Moreover, no, no, no. Take it from verse 30, 34. 34. 34. That was where he was remembering. The power to recall. I'll show you a scripture in Lamentations. Then I'll show you another scripture. And that's it for today. David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion. See, there was a day I was keeping my father's sheep. And a lion came. And a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock. Now, it was only one lamb the lion took. David, what's your problem? If I was David, I'd go to church. The last Sunday of the month, I'm going to fight for the microphone because I got a testimony. Glory be to God. A lion came to my father's flock and took a sheep out, didn't take me. Glory! But not David. You came to the wrong fold. You came to the wrong flock. You messed up with the wrong guy, Mr. Lion. You messed up with the wrong guest guy. We were before the police and I was telling this scammer, I said, you messed up with the wrongest person. You did. You messed up with a covenant conscious child of God. If you had swindled others before and you tried that with me, it's your last. You won't have the chance to do another. You won't. You, I'm a tither. I am a tither. I am a tither. Covenant. He's going to eat beans, I tell you. He begging last night, talking to his lawyer, are you sure I'm not going to go to jail? Hey, you're going to go to jail. You're going to go to jail. G-E-R-L. I'm going to get my money and you're going to go to jail. And I'm a, my wife said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see him off with prayers and I'm going to tell him, repent when you get to prison. <laughs> Man, I, I've been through hell and high waters. Families have suffered. A family lost their baby a couple of days ago because they fell into the hand of this same scammer. Begged him to refund their money, their legit money. Please refund. We don't have money for CS. The wife was pregnant and the service was small and she was going to have CS. And the scammer and the wife refused to show mercy. And the baby died. And you think God will look away from such to subvert a man in his cause the Lord does not approve of. Unless I don't know the God that I serve. They started doing some drama and they were making calls and some powerful people were pulling some buttons. I pointed to heaven. Unless there's no God in heaven. 
who sits on the throne. He rose like thunder. Nothing can tame a God all powerful. I say, Lord, let their path be slippery. Let their ways be dark. Some put their trust in chariots and some in horses, but we put our trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are falling and they are not able to rise. We stand, we shine because of the name of the Lord. And when you get into a battle that is too big for you and God gives you the victory, you know that it was God. I couldn't have fought that on my own. I mean, people try to use metropolitan police in the UK to catch him. He escaped them. I don't know how he beat the system. <laughs> Same person. And God delivered him into my hand like a chicken. Now the members of his church hate me now. The syndicates that are part of his crime. And I'm going to come after them too. Yeah. Let them get ready. One with God is majority. Samuel said to Saul, I went out after him. Nobody goes after a lion. I'm not sure I can go after some of the dogs that some of you guys have at home. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor, thank God you came to visit us. Um, our dog has broken loose from the chain. Did you chain it well? Uh, they, yes, sir, it has broken loose. It's only one dog. Pastor, come and help me tame it. Eh? <laughs> can we get the, doc, the number of Dr. Esther Onia Jekigbe? She's a vet doctor. She can tame any dog. I'm a pastor. I tame people. <laughs> Let every man abide in his own calling. <laughs> David went after him. He said, I went after him and I, and I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. Out of the lion's mouth. Nobody does that. Because the Bible testifies that a lion doesn't run away from any. Proverbs 30, verses 29 to 30. There have been three things that go well. Yea, four are comely in going. This meaning of comely in going. They walk well. They walk well. Number one, the lion which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away from any. The lion doesn't turn away from an elephant. Doesn't turn away from any. David ran after a lion. A lion had never, apart from Samson, a lion had never seen any human being run after him before. The guy looked back and said, who is following me? I carried a sheep and I'm going. I want to go and eat it. This is my barbecue this afternoon. And then had some footsteps. The lion looked back and it was David. He said, no, am I seeing correctly? It's impossible. A human being does not run after a lion. It has to be a lion being that is running after a lion being. He turned back again. And David yanked the sheep out of his mouth, dropped the sheep, and the lion turned against David. What do you expect? When you rescue someone from the hands of the devil, he will turn. But you deal with him also. Can I have an amen? amen? And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard. That lion must have jumped up like this to finish David. David caught the beard. Beard, beard. Now use the beard to draw him, draw him, draw him. That was a mortal combat. It was a fight for life. Somebody had to die in that fight. Don't give up the fight. Tell your neighbor, don't give up the fight over your life. 
I always say in, the, in my dark moments, I say somebody will get tired. But it's not going to be me. Caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. I don't know how. Bare hands. Bare hands. Turned his neck. And the roar of a lion is killing. Just the roar alone. Can you imagine the lion roaring as the lion got up to stand against David? Whoa! Like, man, you are my meat now. And David said, no, you are the meat. Some of you guys should be careful with keeping long beards. The lion kept long beards. So David has something to, to hold. People like us now. We have put petrol, we have put salt. It didn't grow. <laughs> Glory be to God. The power to recall. Listen to what, how David finished that. After he killed the lion, can you imagine the lion lying lifeless? Now, next verse. Verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And the bear, also, when he stands like this, is as tall as a human being. When he stands. And those guys have heavy punches. And I'm not sure David went to any boxing school. But God, he said, you have taught my hands to war. Church in the New Testament, we war in the place of prayer. Not in the place of makeup. Some of you, makeup takes three hours. Your prayer time is three minutes. It's not enough in the day of battle. Are you with me? Ladies, are you with me? Let your adornment just be that of the outward. You know, you spend hours in the salon, hours in Kiniko. Spend hours in your prayer closet too. Mm. A word is enough for the wise, oh. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Sir, I remember the lion. Sir, live long, oh king. I remember the beer. Sir, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Meaning these two shall pass. No matter what you go through this morning, it shall pass in the name of Jesus. You need to be able to recall. Remember how a God has never failed. He's never failed us. Remember how his name has made a way, he'll make a way from the cross to the grave. He is risen, now he reigns. Praise the Lord, sing his praise again. If there's an infirmity in your body, it's going to go. Has God ever healed you before? So he's going to heal you again. Has he ever blessed you before? So he's going to bless you again. Has he ever come through for you before? He's going to do it again. But you need to recall. Recall. Remember. Remember. When you're in trouble, trouble tells you nothing good has ever happened in your life before. It's a lie. Remember. Let me show you something. Lamentations. I used to quote 3, 21 to 23, but I want to back up a little bit. Go to Lamentations chapter 3. It was written by Jeremiah. And so in Yoruba Bible, it's called Ekun Jeremiah. 
the lamentations of Jeremiah. In Yoruba Bible, it's Jeremiah Sokun. Look at what he said in verse 1. I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. I wish we had a Yoruba Bible this morning. me <laughs> You know, honestly, I've never read it in the Yoruba Bible before, but I just interpreted that. And this is a me, a me. Is Jeremiah was crying. A me, a me, no, Kunina. Somebody said, Kunina. Tio Tiriwala, Nipa, Okpai, Benure. Bonko is Okpa. Rod, club. Kuma Kuma Binu Pulumini Kuma Yigbi. He said, I'm the man who has been smitten, who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and brought me into darkness and not into light. He was complaining. Surely against me is he turned. He turned his hand against me all the day. You know what I'm saying? My flesh and my skin has he made old. He's broken my bones. He's built against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He has, been, he has set me in dark places as, as they that be dead of old. He has hedged me about that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. And he went on and on. Go to verse 18. No, go to verse 16. He has also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He has covered me with ashes. And that was removed my soul far from far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. When there is trouble, you don't remember prosperity. I tell you that. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. You don't remember Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. And this was part of the hymn we sang this morning. My soul had them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. He was recounting losses, recounting his misery, recounting his depression. This guy was depressed. He said, I'm hedged in like there is no way to get out. Then verse 21. The narrative changed. He said, this I recall to my mind. He didn't say these, T-H-E-S-E, plural. All of these problems. No! That wasn't what he recalled. In the midst of all the problems, he now recalled something different. This. Someone said this. Now this is different from these. Now Nigerians say this man. That's wrong. This man. This man. Someone said this man. That's singular. These men. So this I recall to mind. He cast his mind back on that. What did he recall? He said, therefore, have I hope? What did he recall? I made him have hope. He now began to tell us. Verse 22. He remembered that it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Rather, they are new. Come on, read with me. They are new every morning. Great 
is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. For they are new. Sing it. It's a new every morning. Come on. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Fill the step past love.